This is a South Pacific EO production. Welcome to episode 55 of the Asia-Pacific EO podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Warren Swanson from EO Brisbane um, and his business, Visi Properties. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks very much for having me on. No, it's great to have you. So we were saying just before you opened that you're into property development. Has it? Uh, yes. How long have you been doing that for? Uh, about 15 years. So I... Um... I was originally an engineer. I specialised in, in structural engineering and I sort of uh, didn't aspire to be anyone in that business um, up the food chain. So I sort of thought maybe I'm in the wrong industry. So I, um, I did an MBA and during that process, I got uh, headhunted by a little architecture firm looking for someone to run their business. And while I was there, we were... You know, we were servicing property developers uh, for their architecture, town planning and building design. And I saw these guys, you know, rocking up in their shorts and thongs and bloody, you know, casual wear. <laughs> and, um, this is the life and, for Warren. <laughs> and just, and just, you know, they, they were creating these amazing communities and projects and I was like, wow, what? This just—I didn't even actually knew know that property development existed at the time. Mm. Um, but when, when I saw that, I just was so intrigued, and I—I got—I got my head into the town planning and the technicality of it, and yeah, I've just been excited by it ever since. And I'm, so I, it sort of led me into it from there. I mean, that would be a great position to be in, having the you know the formal qualifications as an engineer, and then you get exposed to the creative side through an architecture, and then. Also, understanding the planning, I mean, that's just a fantastic uh, broad skill set to become a developer, really, because you're yeah, seeing well, it from different it different points of start. views. And yeah, so, it's it really good, good uh, springboard. So, tell us about that first development. How did you, like, how did you get started? How did you get the funding? Um, tell us about that first one, because I guess that's yeah, where okay. it all started. Yep. So, um, the first one was a very simple first my first property that i bought was uh i think 2003 um how old were you at that how old were you at that time just oh, to give us a bit of a picture board uh it's seven, so 23 okay nice one um and mate it's a pretty it's an interesting story i i was still doing engineering at the time and i um I got a phone call from my mum actually just saying there's blocks of land up in this place called Nanango. Uh, they're five acres big and they're, and they're 25 grand. And I was like, holy shit balls, that sounds so cheap. So I, I basically within 24 hours just said, mum, I, I have to buy this property. Like it just sounds too good to be true. Where, whereabouts is that located? Is that? It's um, in terms it's of from Brisbane, two and a half hours northwest of okay. Brisbane. Okay, and what's there, or what was there at the time? It's out in the sticks. There's lots of, um, you know, farming, and they actually have Tarong Power Station out there that powers most of Brisbane. So, it it does have a you know a good employment centre from that point of view. Um, but a, a lot of the little towns around there are very very small and just cute, and um, you know. Populations of like one and two thousand sort of thing. So it's 
So do, pe- was, do people go there for like on a weekend, like a tour of the towns around there, or? Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's tours of the of like towns like Blackbutt and Nanango, and you know, people sort of would stop in and um, to have short stays, but probably no more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. It, it for me, it was just a um, just a very easy get into the real estate market because I I had been really keen to get into it for the two years leading up to that yep um and I, but i was too busy paying for my master of business that i was doing at the time with my money so um it was just good to get in on something affordable at the time and so the 25k that bought you the five acres and then and then what uh and you had then, to get some planning or no we'll see a year later so this is just how i started getting momentum so a year later, I, I sold the property um, without having really done anything to it. It had a dam on it, it had some trees, and I sold it to someone that wanted to build a house on it, and they wanted to pay me $58,000 for it. And so I said, okay, well, that's, that, that suits me. Yeah. Um, and then that basically gave me some extra money to then buy my like, first legitimate um, development site in Brisbane, which was uh, which was in Norman Park, and it was you know the, the suburb of Norman Park, amazing, you know, two k from the CBD, and I saw an ad on realestate.com, and it was um, it just said uh, renovators delight, <laughs> <laughs> which made me laugh because the. Whoever the agent was did no due diligence on this site at all, and they what they didn't realise is that it was zoned for you know density. So I don't think a lot of people make those sort of mistakes anymore these mm. days. But I so when you, you say know, that you, you mean you, you could buy the land and then put a block of units on it or or something yeah, exactly. like that. Yep. Yep. So these guys were that was. It, you know, well and truly undervalued. They were selling it for low four hundred thousands, and it was a an eight oh nine square meter block in Norman Park. Um, and so I think I I paid four fifty for it or four forty for it. Yep. Um, and then we got an approval for six three bedroom units on the on the property. Uh, and then how, the, how long did that take from uh, uh, purchase? Probably a year yep. to get it all squared away. Yep. Um, and then this, the, the timing of this was around the uh, 2007-2008 crash. Yep. The GFC was just beginning and I was like, okay, I'm not going to build my first development in this market. Um, and I decided to put it on the market as a development approved site. And so... Just to give us a bit of a timeline, you were working for the architecture firm by this stage or? At this stage, I, I think I was now working for a company called A.V. Jennings, which oh, is yeah. my foray into another good tra- Another good training ground. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think most developers have worked at A.V. <laughs> Jennings at some point. You see all the mistakes the big boys make and or, or work out little niches that they don't want to service. Yeah, and, and and the culture within A.V. Jennings is fantastic. Um, amazing how much time they will put into training their employees. So, 
just a brilliant place to work. Strongly recommend working there as a as a place. It was awesome. Um, and so yeah, so you put a development approved site up on the market. Yeah, and we we put it to auction. Um, we didn't want any sort of chance of long winded terms and that sort of thing. And I wanted to make you know make sure that you know that it it, it sort of went through and transacted. And we um, we sold it for seven twenty. So we did really well. Um, and I just thought to myself, gee, I, I can get used to this. <laughs> this, is, this just seems um, not not yeah, a not a, not some bad earnings for a GFC year and all yeah, of that. So. Oh, look, it was great. Um, we actually, uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not giving financial or accounting advice in any way, but we were able to put it into my personal name. Um, and then it was, it was, it became my principal residence, which then meant that, you know, yeah, tax free dollars. We weren't paying any tax on those, on yeah. that upside, which was, which was great. So, uh, thanks to the accountant on that one. And, um, the next one we bought was a, was a lot bigger and a lot more serious. And it was, it was in Everton Park, um, on the hill, city views, amazing site. And it was uh, two acres, and we we got approval for thirty three um, three bedroom townhomes. So how far is that from the the centre of uh, Brizzy CBD? That's uh, about nine to ten k. Yeah, still not far. No, really good spot. Um, it's actually that suburb's gone, you know, ballistic since then. Yep. Um, and this development was where uh, where were we? Probably. Um, it 20, must have been 2010 or yeah, around that 2010 to to 2012 around that time. Yep. Um, and that project for me to actually get that one finished, I nearly went broke a couple of times. So that was a, quite a stressful experience. So that was your first build. You you really thrown yourself in the deep end there. Thirty, thirty units. Yeah. <laughs> 33 townhouses. Yep. Um, yeah, it was it was big, mm. and uh, like I nearly did a like a hero deal with um, Defence Housing um, Australia, which would have been amazing. But um, something you learn very quickly is doing doing business with government. Um, they can just pull the rug out at any point. Yeah, you know, like it's just insane. So we and got so burnt so the hero them. deal was like they were going to. Buy the whole lot from you, and yep, and then then the terms exactly. changed at the eleventh hour. Exactly, exactly, and just no, like they just have no accountability in there, and it's just mm. incredible that we went along with that under that sort of understanding the whole time, and 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 that that agreement just evaporated when it came to actually. Uh, Settling, so. And so, what was your plan B when that happened? Had had you already started building by this stage, or no? We were we were we were still at DA point. Um, we'd gotten we'd actually got a DA that suited the Defence Housing Australia, um, and then they decided to pull the deal. So yeah. we'd put a lot of time, money, effort into making the houses bigger and creating better cupboards and storage and. They have a you know a list of specifications that they like to be done in their houses. Incidentally, they they sound like things that most people would like if you uh, had to then go and sell them. 
Well, the problem with a lot of their requirements was that um, the cost of the housing became prohibitive to, to the way of selling it. Got it. Um, yep. To the to the normal market at the time. Yep. Uh, so we had to go back, refine the um, product. Yep. Which cost another fortune and yep. a whole lot more time. Um, we nearly went through a sale process of the site. Yeah. Because of my financial situation, I was just like, I can't, I just can't do this. Yeah. Uh, we we got right to the end of the due diligence with a buyer and that buyer uh, tried to do something a bit sneaky. Uh, they rang me on the last day of due diligence and said, oh, you know, can we get a two-week extension? Um, and I said, oh, really? I, it is, you know, you do realise it's the last day of due diligence and you're meant to come up with it, you know, you're meant to go unconditional tomorrow. And they just said, yeah, and they didn't have a really, they didn't have a really good excuse for it. So it just made me think that they were basically setting us up for a haircut or, mm. or requesting a haircut. Mm. And um, I said, no worries, I'll come back to you. And so I got on the phone to my lawyer and I got immediate seller's remorse and basically just thought to myself that I'm not going to allow this sort of, um, you know, disrespect for this opportunity that they've, they've, they've got in front of them. So I just said to the lawyer, look, I think I can actually develop this site. I'm going to talk to one guy that, that will probably do an equity deal with me, a joint venture partnership, and, uh, and see if we can do a deal. So uh, the lawyer said to the guys that were had it on contract, look, you can have a 24-hour um, extension while we consider giving you a, giving you the further time, mm. and during that twenty four hours, I went and met with this equity partner. The following morning, we did a handshake deal and an agreement to develop the site via a joint venture. And that following afternoon, I just said to my lawyer, "Righto, any however you can crash this contract, please do it." <laughs> and so. <laughs> So he said, no worries. All, all we have to do is wait till 6 p.m. today and we don't talk to them. And the clause in the contract basically says that if they do not accept the due diligence, the contract is at an end. So these guys basically missed out on the site. And we then went forward, did our pre-sales and developed the site. And I did it via a joint venture um, with this other entity. So... It ended up working out really, really, really well for us, and it was just a really interesting story about the way that happened um, and how quickly that changed. Just looking at your story, it's like you know the the first deal pretty easy, easy money. The second one relatively easy, and that it's like the world or the universe has got you hooked on this pathway, and then you get the challenging one, and uh, it sort of tests you to see whether you've got the gumption to keep going, and you've passed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so, it's amazing how many different directions these things can take like yeah. during during the process as well. And so that yeah. uh, so that uh, deal did that sort of propel you onto bigger and better things. After that, it set you up for for more yeah, success. We, we, we had a we had some good times following that. Like we had a um, a few more easier, I'll say easier deals. Yeah, um, I'm sure they've all I'm sure they've all got some worms. 
<laughs> Otherwise, everyone the, would be doing it. I think one of the key learnings is that um, if you can, like, stick to one patch, yeah. um, like, we did really well uh, when we stuck to just a we, – we really – focused in on a, on a suburb called Lutwich, which is about five kilometres north of the CBD. And the the council had just rezoned um, pretty much the whole area to allow five-storey development, like medium uh, density development around the, the centre, which was uh, – it was having a busway put in, which – you know, in Brisbane um, was equivalent to a, a new train going in, basically. Yeah. So the busway, um, you know, you have buses coming every sort of five-minute frequency, which is fantastic going into the city. So it was a, just a huge game-changer for the area and you've got, um, you know, a huge shopping complex and banks and cafes and restaurants all in the centre there. And it just made sense to have more density that close to the city. So... They rezoned all of that, and the thing when 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 property is rezoned like that, it takes a lot of time for the for the new values to be realised by the community. Yeah, uh, and it just creeps; it slowly creeps up and up um, as you go forward. And and those early times are the times that are great for people that really do the research and get in early on those things. So. Um, you know, basic rule, follow infrastructure and follow all of that sort of, you know, that yeah. money that's getting pumped into areas basically. And and so it was around about what time did you join EO? Uh, I joined EO about five, six, six years ago. So 2014. Yep. I joined and I was actually, I was actually in New York when I joined. So I, um, I met a friend of a friend over there. Finn Kelly, who's now based in um, Colorado, he's, I think he's the president of Colorado EO. Yep. Um, and he told me about EO as a just they there was a conversation going on about it, and I was like, "What is that? Like, what is EO about?" And he was he just explained it to me, and I just thought, "Oh my god, how did I not know about this earlier? This is just insane. I, I just love this uh, this concept." So I joined EO in New York. Um, which was just amazing, like uh, such an amazing group of people over there. So you were living in New York at that point, or you? Yeah, I was. I was living in New York for a year. I actually had grand plans of starting a, a you know, a development, real estate development business in New York. Okay. And I did a lot of research and a lot of study, and uh, the timing of it probably wasn't the best. Um, and I found a lot of barriers to entry yeah. over there in that space. So um, I made an executive decision to come back to Australia and, and keep doing what I was doing in Australia. Oh, great. And so you were saying um, you had just completed or you're just about to complete a, a pretty exciting development at the moment. Tell yes. us about Tell us about what that is and what it looks like. So that one is uh, it's called Obsidian in uh, Tenerife, which is a, a great riverside suburb, about two to three k's from the city, um, and it's just an amazing suburb. It's got um, a real eclectic mix of architecture and old wool stores that have been sort of um, renovated and repurposed, and then there's lots of cool cafes and bars and you know mini breweries and um, 
yeah, it's just a, a real sort of jumping spot. Um, and we've just done, uh, we've just built, we've just finished building uh, the building and it's it's more like a piece of art. looks like a, you know, an architectural masterpiece, I'll call it. Yep. Um, it's about five or six stories and it's a, a circular like elliptical cross section when you're looking at it from the from the front from the street, uh, which means you've got you know curved walls and and uh, curved ceilings and it's just it's pretty mind blowing when you actually see it. It's it's quite crazy. And so uh, with a development like that, when when did you sell off the plan and do you have to sell 100% off the plan or do you you do you hold back some for yourself? So, uh, depending on on the um, the banking system at the time, yeah, um, and how you know how fluid they are with credit, like um, and and um, you know, when we we this was two years ago, we did our pre-sales for this job. At the time, we had to get a hundred percent debt cover. So, basically, the bank just wants to know that, that any money that they lend you is covered in in pre-sales. Oh, okay. So, does that mean? If you put a ten percent deposit down, let's say there's a hundred million dollars of resi sales, they put a ten percent deposit down, which gives you ten mil. They'll lend you ten mil. Is that how it no, works? It's, or? It, it's um, say on on a build uh, of say say the build cost is ten million, mm. um, and there's like land costs and there's all these other costs included in the project, and so the total project costs. Yep. It might be, uh, say, $15 million just as a round figure. Yep. And then the bank will typically lend you 75 to 80% of that number. Yep. And that might be, math-wise, math yeah, probably, say, 12, 12 mil, right, yep. round figure. Yep. So that means the bank will lend you 12 mil. Yep. And that means you need to go out and sell $12 million worth of real estate. Got it. And they they net the GST off if you want to get super technical. Yeah. Yep. So they take that off the top. So you sort of need to sell about thirteen mil. Yep. Of um, of real estate, and then you've got your debt covered for them. Yep. And so they're assuming you- that anyone who enters into a contract is going to complete. Based uh, on based on their metrics, so you've got to sell. Oh, for sure, they have to be unconditional. Yep. Pre-sale contracts. Got yep. it. Got it. Yeah. And so would your strategy be to sell everything or do you just sell up to what covers your debt? And Yeah, look, it's funny, but you actually typically we've found that you when you get to about 80% debt cover, there's like this invisible wall that you just hit. Yeah, and right. And so it's got something to generally in every development, there's going to be amazing apartments compared to some of them are not as amazing. Yeah. And so that tends to be that that sort of 80% of the stock mm. tends to go very quickly yep. and there's the, there's no um you know objections to to the to, to that stock cuz they you know they're perfect uh, orientation or they've got perfect light or they you know the views better or, or all those sorts of reasons. Um and some of the stock is just a bit harder to move so yeah, it it does it does sort of taper at a certain point, hmm. um, and just getting those extra last little 
little little bit is sometimes difficult. So as soon as you hit that target of 100% deck cover, we typically get the builder out there and start going because you get a you get a certain amount of people that are willing to buy on a pre-sale basis. And then you get another group of people that are willing to buy once they know the construction is starting. Yep, that makes sense. And then a and certain then, group that won't buy until they see the finished product. That's exactly right. And the biggest proportion is actually the if you're talking owner-occupier stock, typically they love to see the finished product. So they'll wait until the end. So you really need to do a really good job with you know selling the dream and, and creating a really good picture of, of what people are going to get um, yep. when you're doing sales off the plan. Yeah. And so what's next now, Warren? Have you, you, you That's completed. Is everything sold in that or you've still got a few units we, left? We've got, we've got five out of 13 to go. Yep. Um, and I'll, I'll, like we're aiming to have that sorted in the next sort of four months, yep. hopefully. Um, Is it hard and- to sell at the moment in Brizzy or...? It's look. It's more challenging than normal. Um, we one of our issues is people saying, "Oh, we you know we have to sell our existing house." Got yeah. Um, and I, from what I'm seeing, typically the average sell time has gone has been extended a little bit, uh, and that just depends on vendor expectations. You know, how motivated are you? You know, are you willing to do deals, all that sort of thing? If you mm. if you're not in any hurry, people will just hold out and push yep. and wait and that sort of thing. So it, there's lots of variables uh, for that and how quickly things move. Uh, but but typically um, we're finding like everyone loves the place, but they also are looking um, at a lot more options. So they're that no one's in any hurry. It feel that's the feeling I get. Is yep. That they're like they're doing a really good job of just looking around at absolutely everything that's on offer. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we might um, uh, get the the website address for that so people, if they're curious, they can they can check out um, your latest development. What what is the website? Or that's Obsidian. You better you apartment. better spell that, Warren. Just just. Uh, yep. So Obsidian is O B S I D I A N. Yep. Apartments.com. Brilliant. And so uh, just quickly before we wrap up, any more developments in the wings? Or are you gonna have yeah, a bit so of a breather a, for a while? A, we've got another one that we're we're pretty much ready to launch. Yep. Um, I'd like to just get one or two more sales in Obsidian, and then we'll we'll basically launch that development. And that's a, it's in Manly, which is uh, eastern suburbs of Brisbane, uh, right right on the ocean. Like it's not on the ocean, but it's in that in that mm. suburb that that is on the ocean. Uh, and it's thirty seven uh, townhomes, um, or you know, big nice three bed, two and a half bath, two car side-by-side garages so you know they're almost like a home basically oh fantastic Mm. all right mate well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today um as i said at the beginning of the call i absolutely love uh property and property development so it was really interesting to hear your journey yeah fantastic thanks for having me on brennan it's my pleasure you've been listening to a south pacific eo production 
I hope you've been enjoying listening to the podcast. If you are, it would be great if you could help us out by leaving us a review and sharing this with friends and colleagues.